you know what the epidemic right now is that people are living unfulfilling lives where they have zero passions that are incorporated in it. For those listening that are in that spot, the exercise I give people is what I call the Google me exercise, which is if you are a search engine, right? What is it that people are going to you for advice around? And so list out 30 of those things that people go to you for advice around. And then also that you're kind of excited to answer. Hey, everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chapters of your life and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet Earth. So buckle up, kids. This is going to be fun. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show again. I hope that you're finding all the best in your life today and that we're able to help you expand your brain a little bit on each episode. Today, I'm bringing you a great new friend from the Atlanta, Georgia area, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and digital marketing genius, Chris Tuff. Chris is a pioneer in the digital marketing space, and he's consulted Facebook in its beginnings. He's also been featured on the front of the Wall Street Journal and the magazine Fast Company, and he's worked with global brands like Nike and many others. Chris's first book is called The Millennial Whisperer that helps us to connect with the millennial and Gen Z workforce. It's been a big hit for him the last few years, but on this show, we talk about his new book, Save Your Asks. Uh, you have to be careful how you say that, but it's a great book on how to connect with everyone in your life more authentically and how to stop being an asshole. So this is a really fun conversation, and Chris shares a beautiful moment of wish fulfillment in his life that you don't want to miss. We talked about changing the world through genuine connection, the art of the flyby, how to deal with the 70-30 zone of suck, and why we're now living in the connection economy. So no matter where you are or what you do, there's something for you in this episode as you learn to lead a more fulfilling and prosperous life by merging your passion with purpose. And that sounds amazing, right? So do yourself a favor take a quick break right now to learn how to make the most of your relational capital with someone who's written the book on strategic networking. Grab a sweet tea and join me for a few minutes with one of the most sought after digital marketing gurus and my new best friend. Chris Tuff. Chris, welcome to the show, bro. Thanks for having me, John. Good to have you. So Mutual Buds with Tommy Breedlove, who's been on the show, and you get to hang out with him down in Hotlanta. Lucky you. Yeah. I mean, and, and Tommy obviously had, I mean, he had a huge impact on my life as it was about four years ago, we hired Tommy. We heard him on a podcast. We hired him for this executive retreat that we were putting on in North Georgia. And uh, Tommy, and I didn't really know each other before then. And I introduced myself around the campfire on the first night. 
And I was like, crap, I don't even know how to introduce myself. So I said, <laughs> I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer because my, yeah. my, my company had changed so much and shared my story and then sat down and Tommy, and you know, Tommy with his big blue eyes and his like deep Southern drawl. Yeah. He kicks me and he goes, you better write that book. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what book? He goes, the millennial whisperer. Yeah. It's like, and that was actually the beginning of our friendship. And, you know, my life has completely changed all thanks to that catalyst. Tommy is the catalyst, man. He's going to bring something out of your psyche and he's going to kick you in the leg or the butt or something to yep. kind of get you to do what you're put on the planet to do. And that's, that's really kind of where I wanted to start. I mean, you at 22 Square, you know, this... I mean, by all intents and purposes, an ancient company, 100-year-old advertising. I didn't know there could even be a 100-year-old advertising company, but you've kind of kind of just walked into the digital space, you know, working with startups, uh, Facebook, Zuckerberg in the early years, as we heard in the pre-roll. But, you know, there you are at this retreat. Now, now, I'm a little confused because where I wanted to start was a moment in which you were blubbering. Those are your words, not mine. At the end of a retreat, was that your executive retreat or Tommy's retreat that he does for men? It was an. It was before Tommy even did retreats. It was an executive retreat we put together, and then he said that he would lead it for us. So yeah, that 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 was it. And so so around the campfire, you just talked about how you've just kind of had this knack for communicating with millennials and that you were just sort of a millennial whisperer. He kicks you, says, write the damn book. And, but then what was the blubbering? I mean, well, so I was seven months out of my own rock bottom. I think that's an important part. And mm. in my rock bottom moment at age 36, I took a month off and a few key cha changes happened in my life. One was I was no longer going to have the metric of success beating my brothers at the game of life because that was my metric of success. Mm. And it became impact made on a day. And then I committed to doubling down on my two daughters and my wife again. And then the third piece was I would put most of my energy into my people versus me trying to be the digital and social guy, right? Because Mike, mm -hmm. I put into this kind of in Savior Asks, my new book, we all have currencies. And my currency up until my rock bottom was I was the digital social guy. That's what everyone yeah. went. I fell into it in 2006, blah, 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 right? But I was no longer really passionate about that. Mm. And so oh. after the seven months of putting all of that time and effort into my team, I was like, wait, this, this is the most fulfilled I've ever been. It's the most successful we've ever been as a company. This stuff works. And so as I introduce myself, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know what I do anymore at my firm, but I'm kind of like the millennial mm. whisperer. And then I shared my story of what that was like to hit my rock bottom as I got vulnerable and cried a little bit. That was the blubbering mm. that happened. And you then I sit down and, and that's when Tommy kicked me. You get the infamous kick in the shin. Well, what was your bottom? Do you share that openly? What your bottom yeah. was? Yeah. No, I mean, and I think everyone's bottom is different, but I, I go back to my time at Vanderbilt University and my human development class and my favorite professor in that class who actually went on to help me with the millennial whisperer with some of the data and other things, but his name is Brian Griffith. And I remember he had this 
chart of the four key stages that humans develop through and in between each was a crisis. And he said, crisis catalyzes change. And that's exactly what that crisis was for me as I looked at my life and I was, you know, playing the status game. I obviously had the wrong metrics of success. I was gone a lot, right? I was hobnobbing with the who's who. I was drinking too much. I would, you know, almost do anything to get ahead. And everyone's rock bottom is different. And for me, my rock bottom was what most people would be like, that's like a midpoint, right? Like, <laughs> and, and I think that's an important part. Like we all have kind of our resting, you know, you have your resting heart rate and then we all have like our resting, like kind of content space. And mine is I wear yellow glasses and I like, this is me, right? Like yeah. I'm probably one of the most optimistic, I was put on this earth to inspire and connect. Mm. Like that's it. Right. And so even if you look back on that rock bottom, as I took my house down to the stilts, which is actually where Tommy does his best work, right? And it's like, how do you rebuild that house and make sure it's the right house? But I, what happened was I actually ended up, re well, the first seven months after that was really lonely for me because I basically ditched all of my friends. I quit drinking. I wasn't going out anymore. And I'm like the most extroverted person in the world. And I remember a moment that it was right before this retreat, actually, I turned to my wife with tears in my eyes and I said, here I am the most like extroverted person in the world. And it's a Saturday night and I'm just like hanging out, watching Netflix, like mm -hmm. what's happened. And sure enough, I think it was almost like that following weekend that I went on that retreat, which really changed the game for me as I not only experienced some of the life-changing pieces of the retreat, but more so this ruthless pursuit of a new passion, which was writing this book called mm -hmm. The Millennial Whisperer, which mm -hmm. I wrote in four and a half months. And, you wow. know, I was kind of off bad. to the races. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, my rock bottom, it, it was such a key piece to get me to where I am today. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, if you actually, I, I was looking at some statistics, I think most men hit rock bottom their lowest point on average is at age 46. And I think I saw a little bit about what was to come. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, let's go through it. Let's do all this now. And, mm. and that was really where I started that. I mean, in, in Savior Asks, I have this kind of paradigm or, or formula that we all have a currency, right? And first you got to ask yourself, does that currency match up to your passions currently? And if it does not, then we've got to start really putting more focus on incubating some of these passions on the side. And that's what it was up until it then became a national bestseller. And I was on the main stage at Nike and some of the biggest corporations. I'm like, wait, what just happened? Like yeah. my currency actually evolved. I mean, if you Google my name now, there's nothing really about digital and social anymore. It's all about me being the culture guy and everything else. And so I successfully evolved my currency to my also evolved place of passions, which mm. I'm I'm always trying to inspire more people to pursue. So what if you've had like more than one bottom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a few years on you, man. I, I've, I, I've had more than one. So yeah, I hit one it's been seven years ago when I, I left an organization that I'd been at for five years and thought I was going to ride that off to the sunset, you know? 
Mm. And it, it ended and I, I was, dude, I was lost and I was at 58. So do the math. I'm 64 now. Right. But you know, it's like, dude, I was lost, lost in later midlife, midlife if I lived to be 130. So it's mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, it was a whole new deal. And, and I've, I've learned a whole new economy. You talk about the connection economy, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really millennial and save your asks. When you say it fast, it either sounds like save your ass, which I know that's what you meant to do. Or savior, like Jesus, savior. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Right. So it's like, okay, say it slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> savior asks, but, you know, but you're talking about this connection. And I had to morph, you know, even as an older guy, I had to morph out of the traditional way of relating to people into digital. And it's a whole different deal. And now, and a lot of people I coach are Niels and Z's and it's like, you know, reading, I haven't read millennial, okay, full disclosure, but you know, both of those books are really about that connection. So this yeah. connection and where does the millennial whisper taking a vested interest in your people and save your asks is that same thing outward, right? And that we need to save our asks and have that intention in any relationship or introduction being, right. right I just want to be genuinely connected. Yeah. I mean, it right? just makes sense. It's about relational equity and really, I love the perspective on both of the books because it's about giving yeah. first, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I mean, I guess my, I, I, if we have multiple rock bottoms, something needs to change, right? In terms of how we're approaching, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And one of the, I mean, I think we all, I mean, I've now it's six years since that rock bottom moment. So I think each one of those things end, ends up having different, the, 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 I think the greater the rock bottom, the more opportunity for change. Right? Mm. And so I had such a mass, I went from here all the way over here and it took about a year to fully transform, which I would say is probably faster than most. But you know, one of the other pieces that I'm always looking towards is how am I incubating these new things? You know, call it a side hustle, call it a passion project, whatever it is. But how am I always, how do I create a model where I'm always incubating that so I can actually keep up with my own evolving passions and purpose? And a great example of that, John, is leading into this interview. You're like, Chris, I didn't read the millennial whisper, but I did read Save Your Asks. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's, that's fine, right? Yeah. Because I just really want to talk about Save Your Asks. If I was still now three and a half years later, just talking about the millennial whisper, I would be unfulfilled, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, so one of the things that I, I'm really trying to catalyze is this idea that we all need to be not only more ruthlessly pursuing our passions and bringing those into our day-to-day -day job, but also incubating new things that can accommodate for our ever-evolving being. Mm -hmm. and, and always getting better in that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had this long career in digital, one of the first guys in the water, and now you find yourself transitioning out of a bottom moment into Fortune 100 companies and the two books now speaking. You have your own, what do you call it? Not ministry necessarily, but you're, you're going out and you're doing this stuff. But I think I heard that you, you had like a, you, you made a bold move and took out a pretty big loan to kind of figure this out. So 
it feels like that's paying off, but I love the fact that you invested in this. You weren't trying to bootstrap it. You knew better than that. You, I mean, talk about a little bit about that, the guts it took yeah. to, to, to well, what, what point did you do that? Was it right before the book? It was, was right? You, that's, how you, that's kind of how you financed your, your months to write it. And yeah, uh, it was early. I mean, and you know, you, you read and hear this mantra of invest in yourself, invest in yourself, invest in yourself. And I think it could be misinterpreted, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that I interpret investing in yourself is really, I look at my life as a roulette table and my sole kind of strategy is to make sure that I have every single number actually covered, even the greens, right? Versus if I just invested in the book side, the process of investing in the book, I learned so much, right? I learned mm. how to, and I spent money in wrong places, right? Like my online course, it did, it, it bombed, like no mm. one bought it, right? Mm. But I learned some important lessons in that process to where now, if you look at my currencies, right? I'm digital and social. I don't even really care about marketing, right? Like I'm, I'm, mm. I'm less passionate about marketing than almost anything else. That's part of my DNA. I can speak to it. I've got good instinct in it, but where my currencies have now evolved is I can tell and show people how to double down on a book and a passion and create a scalable business around it and where it is that they should and can start versus doing it in the wrong order, which is what I did with a lot of that investment. I made it back, but I look at that as just like investing in school, right? And so I am always... You know, people will even ask me, so Chris, how much crypto do you have? I'm like, zero. Do you know why? Because I have no idea what Bitcoin's going to do. I have no <laughs> what I have control over is me and my currencies that are in my domain. Mm -hmm. And so as I look at kind of that roulette table, it's also how can I then also play into those currencies while also building companies in specific verticals? that are with experts in that vertical. So for example, like this is a great example. So I actually built, helped build a dental consultancy with two of my friends who are the, they have the, one of the biggest dental podcasts and books. And I helped them with some of the things that I learned. And in the process of doing that for two years, I learned dentistry. Yeah. And I was also able to really, I helped them with, you know, their younger employee base. I, I, I talked to them about what is flexible work look like for hourly workers? What are some of the things that you, each can do to build culture in your practice. And, and so I then, I, I recently sold that, my equity in it, and I'm replacing it with residential real estate, which nice. I'll make an announcement. So when I look at investing in yourself, when I look at that diversification, there's a way that we can both be smart about it, but also we can't be too literal about what that return looks like out of the gates. And in Save Your Ass, I talk about the three-year rule, which is that there's really no sh shortcutting of three years that it's going to take you, even with the millennial whisper, I emailed two weeks ago, it's a bestseller again. Like yeah. I started to get some of the bigger stages and they want me to talk about that. And that's great. But yeah. it was three years ago. I published that because the three year rule is that the first year is going to be building and learning. The second year is going to be honing. And then it's the third year. You actually can then make the decision. Is this going to work or not? Because the money is mm -hmm. either going to flow in or mm -hmm. not. Yeah, and so, true. so I'm always so as I look at that diversification of kind of my portfolio of the things that I spend my time on, I'm constantly looking and playing and and finding different partners and really treating myself 
while also being true to where my passions lie and where my currency is to then kind of learn new things as I kind of go out into the world. Well, and as I studied your material, you know, and just listened to a few podcasts you're on and just tried to creep around, you know, and see what you're about, you know, what I see you doing and what I see you catalyzing in others is really merging passion with purpose. And it feels like it's kind of emerged naturally for you, but you're, you're, you're capitalizing on it in a great way in order to help others, you know, find their own currencies to find better ways to do what they're, they're supposed to do here. I mean, would you agree with that? Does it feel like that's kind of the overarching? Totally. I mean, theme? if you were to, it was, it was funny cause I, I was, I'm meeting with a very sought after individual that is pretty well known. And I had to get through his gatekeepers for this meeting that I'm going down to Austin to meet with them in August. And can you introduce uh, me? Can you introduce yeah, me? Yeah, 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 exactly. Save your ass, John. <laughs> But as I was getting through the gatekeepers for this individual, I it was in that thing where, you know, these very logical business dudes were like, all right, so Chris, like, why do you want to meet with them? And I, I, and what, like, what's the one thing that you do that no one else can do? And I was like, on the spot, what came out of me, I was like, well, my purpose is to inspire and connect. But if you were to actually further identify what it is that I do and also what fires me up, it's helping people identify their dreams and then being the catalyst to then get. I love that. that. I actually made it right. that I was going to ask you that because I, I love that. Yeah. And so I want to tell, I okay, tell a couple quick stories and that. So, yeah. I, I mean, Brand. you know, one is my tattoo artist, right? Kiyoki. Love and that. he and I have become best friends and I've kind of taken him under my wing. And the, actually this brings Tommy back into the conversation. And so I, I've been encouraging him to open his own shop. He opened, he went through the process of creating his own shop and everything. And it was towards, you know, the pandemic was starting to lighten up at that time. You know, this was probably about nine months ago or so. And he calls me kind of, I can tell distraught. And he said, Chris, so the health inspector just came by and you won't believe this, but they didn't give me the approval because I have to change the vinyl upholstery on all of my tattoo chairs from black to white. And Chris, I'm out of money. It's going to be like 10 grand to do it. And I said, Kiyoki, there's a saying, go to Chris Tough for free stuff. All right. Like, that's what <laughs> makes me, I know someone for everything. Yeah. So you're not going to believe this Kiyoki, but I actually sponsored Kiyoki to go on one of Tommy's retreats recently. And I said, Tommy's wife, Heather is the number one vinyl upholstery maker in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Me... And she's in Atlanta. So let me call her. So I call Heather. I was oh, having cool. a speech and, uh. She was like, of course, I'm going to help Kiyoki out. And fast forward, oh, man. hours later, he had all new vinyl upholstery for his tattoo. And he, and he oh, got geez. the health inspector approved. And so, you know, you look at that or you look at any, the, the one question that I feel like in our society, we don't go to enough is what is your dream, right? And when you ask someone that question, when you feel, and I'm not saying go straight there, right? I'm saying. Feel the energy. And if you intuitively think there's a green light, you go there. Mm. And now I go there all, I mean, so much so my kids won't even go to Publix with me because they're like, dad, sometimes you end up talking to people for like 45 minutes. We don't want to go <laughs> with you, right? Like, but really like that, and that's what I'm trying to do. And, and, and it's, you, you know what the epidemic right now is that people are living unfulfilling lives where they have zero passions that are incorporated in it. 
And, and, you know, I use a few examples of the book where, you know, there's a lawyer, right. And that I was kind of test driving some of this material and he was like, I don't really, he's a partner at a big law firm. And he was like, I'm not that passionate about what I do. Right. But like where my passions really are is in health and wellness. And he went on this rant about how Peloton changed his life and the role of like Nike app and whatever. I was like, all right, so here's, what's going to happen. You ready for this? Two birds with one stone. You're going to actually prospect Peloton and Nike and all those others. And by the way, I've got context at those. And you're going to start with the story of the impact that they've had on your life, wow. passion for it. Yeah, right. And then they're going to be like, of course, I'm going to talk to them <laughs> for this. And then all of a sudden you're going to have clients that are in that domain. So you finally get to scratch that itch. And, or, you know, the other thing that I see a lot of are these executives that they pull me aside when no one else is watching or, or listening. And they're like, so Chris, I have zero passions in my job and I'm living an inauthentic life. Like where do I start? Mm -hmm. And these guys are in their fifties and they either are going through a rock bottom or about to hit one. And, you know, the exercise that, I mean, for those listening that, that are in that spot, the exercise I give people is what I call the Google me exercise, which is if you are a search engine, right? What is it that people are going to you for advice around? And then for me, for example, it's like how to learn how to kiteboard, being the father of two daughters, big green egg grilling recipes. Like there's all these things, right? And so list out 30 of those things that people go to you for advice around. And then also that you're kind of excited to answer. And then if I were to challenge you then that out of that list, one of those things you've got to actually write a book on over the next year, which one of those is going to, which mm, one or two of those. Great. That's a great. That's, that's how you then identify, okay, wait, I need to either be incubating one of these passions on the side or figure out a way to bring it into my everyday business. Mm, mm. That's excellent. And I remember that, you know, one of the suggestions you make for business owners who are working with millennials is that they encourage them to have side hustles. So it's scratching that itch, you know, so they don't bolt, you know, on the, oh, the cool. grunt, the grunt work, the suck zone. You know, that you mentioned, <laughs> we, yeah. we all have a suck zone where, uh, was it 70% sucks or was it the 30% that sucks? You want, yeah, yeah. You want 70% <laughs> to be fire you up and 30% yeah. suck. But, you know, I mean, even at some of the world's like best known brands that I've worked with, I'll ask that question when I do a panel of, of younger employees. And in one instance, they're like, yeah, it's 70, 30 the other way. And they were kind of like, and then, and there was like this row of executives who had all flown in from around the world. And I said, that's fine. I turned to the executives. I said, now it's up to you all to actually scratch that itch by allowing them to pursue some of these passions, make it easier for them even to make lateral moves or, or experience new departments within this massive organization, get a taste mm. of that or yeah. on, you know, working on one project here, let them pursue some of these things that of what brought them here in the first place. And, and that to me, people take side hustles as, as threats, like, and I don't want it. And it almost distracts us, like call them side passions, right? What are the side passions mm -hmm. that you can start giving your people to then actually scratch that itch? Because I mean, and then the, the, here's the alternative is that they're just going to leave and you're already seeing that. I mean, look yeah. at the attrition rate that's happening out there. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting that Millennial Whisper, which I haven't read yet. Sorry. Yeah, all good. But, you know, how interesting that that was coming out three years ago, you know, right before the pandemic, when suddenly people were forced to be home and figure out 
you know, how they were going to work, either continue to work for a company or figure out their own deal. And I know as being an entrepreneur that a lot, I, I would probably say that I'm, I'm probably a, a 40, 60, okay, I'm, I'm probably 50, 50 on, on the suck because I, as an entrepreneur, as a, really a micropreneur, solopreneur, man, I mean, I, I had to learn marketing. I had to learn a whole lot of digital. I was pretty adept at a lot of things, but being in music and, and all that kind of stuff, a lot of tech kind of ad ad adapted fairly well, but I had to get over the, the entire, I don't know that I was entitled, but maybe the fantasy is a better way to put it that this was going to be fun because mm -hmm. it, it has not been fun. It's been rewarding, but the stuff I've had to go through to have a successful company for seven years with a global, a global reach into songwriting and creatives and all that kind of thing, man, it's, it's been something And do you, I mean, how do you, interesting that the book came out right then when we're all trying to adjust, yeah. but for people who want purpose to be every minute of every day, it's just not going to be that way. Is it really? Well, so I think we live also live in a society where, I mean, look at our Instagram feeds, right? It's like the guy on the Lamborghini with the hundred dollar bills. It's instant gratification. And I mean, and there is a generational reality to the younger you get, the more of an expectation that instant gratification exists. And so, you know, I look at it through also me being a parent, like the two traits that I'm trying to instill in my 10 and 12 year old daughters are resilience and tenacity. And you know what? Like, if you look at all my stuff, I've made it look really easy, John, but like yes, the amount have. of time, like, I mean, I've and right. Like the amount of times I've driven home, like shaking, crying, because I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is going to work or mm -hmm. the amount of, I'm the most confident person in the world. And I think that my confidence and passion scares people, but you know, I also will go through like July 5th was one of those days. Cause there's no momentum. Like everyone was out. I'm like, wait, crap. Like what? I've got two kids to support. Like, is this going to work? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, and, but like, that's all part of the, the process and the game. And, you know, to the things that are in my zone of suck, like some of it, I just accept. And then I outsource the rest, like mm -hmm. bookkeeping. That would be oh, a yeah. disaster, right? I outsource that. Like my organization, I have an assistant for that, right? Mm. Me or even like me booking speeches. I want to change the world. So I'll give everything away for free. And so I've now got a speaking agent that helps me yeah. negotiate and I don't even touch that stuff. Right? Yeah, right. Because it just crushes me. Like, and so, you know, I think there's a way that, and, and I do, obviously we're going to go through ups and downs with our own things and we're going to go through different percentages of each, but through that diversification of kind of our portfolio, like I'm not solely like my if you look at like my speaking and my books and stuff, I've got stuff outside of that, that will help fuel the momentum when I'm feeling down. And so they end up mm -hmm. to countering and that's the importance of diversification. Yeah. And I think that's a great word. And the word portfolio feels more appropriate for where we are as a culture these days than, you know, like my dad's career was journal journalism for the most part, for the biggest part of his life. I thought I was going to be in one career in music and I've wound up, I don't know, I'm probably in my seventh or eighth career at this point. Mm. And the statistics say that millennials and, and Gen Z folks are 
XYZ, whoever they all are, that, you know, that they're probably going to have 13 or more. And so it, we're talking more in terms of portfolio. And it feels to me, bro, like the, the relational currency is more important than ever because you're going to be working with a whole lot of people and it might be online. You might be in, you know, doing a lot of zoom calls or whatever, but you still, and I think maybe that's, that's uh, your next book, right? Yes. Yeah. How to, how to work all this on zoom because the, the, the generation zoom, whatever, man, but. You know what I mean? Like, so, so here's one of the other things that I think is critical, especially for leaders or entrepreneurs is as they build young teams is there's, there's also this issue of interpersonal relational kind of muscles that the younger generation does not have. And, you know, I put it into a story from the sociological kind of lens of this stuff is you take like our first flirtations, right? You, you or me, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm right on the cusp of millennial. I'm, I just turned 42 and we had to pick up a phone to flirt with someone, right? We had to get through mom and dad. And then we finally had like a list of things that we would talk to that person about, which yeah. is very different than anyone that's really 32 and under because at age 13, they were given a brand new iPhone and a Snapchat account and mm -hmm. they're doing it on their back throwing like this. Oh yeah. And so when they come to actually get a job and you ask them to do some of these things that are instinctual to you and they rely much heavier on texting and emailing and all these other things. And so we've got to help them rebuild those muscles as leaders because they don't have them. Mm. Right. And, and, you know, even like, and I'm still working on I go deep really fast with people, right? I find that genuine connection. I call it a race to the metal. So finding that common passion point, and then I take it to the next level. But I also, I will just as quickly leave one of those relationships or conversations when I feel like it, when I ask them that question, like, what's your dream? What fires you want? Mm -hmm. And they're like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll move on, right? Or I'll try to dig it out of them maybe a little bit and then I'll move on. And, and so like, I think these are all things that we need to constantly be revisiting ourselves and developing, but you know, the future of work in my eyes, I get asked that question a lot is I do truly believe it's going to be a portfolio of companies that my children will, you'll have like a main gig and like four other side gigs that will comprise their day to day. And they'll be kind of flowing in and out of that. Stuff. Right. Right. And if you're asking me my next book, my next book is going to be around how can we create more of a choose your own adventure starting at age 13 for our children so that they make the right decisions. John, may, you probably should not have gone to Vanderbilt, right? You should have gone to music school or, you know, whatever those things are. Like there's a lot of decisions that we end up making because of status, because of parental pressures. I've talked to so many miserable dentists. And when I ask them, why'd you get into dentistry? Well, my dad was a dentist or my mom was a dentist. And so what if we could get ahead of that, right? What if we actually create a tool starting at age 13 that created more of a choose your own adventure that says you should and can do this based on mm. the things that you were born to do yeah. and your kind of instinct of, you know, Love team that. versus individual contributor, et cetera. And that's, so that's kind of like my next passion project. I love that. And, you know, but back to what we were saying, I think the opportunity for that is right now, you know, we live in, I don't know how many screens I have around me. I love it. You know, I've got my iPad, I've got my iPhone. I'm looking at you on a beautiful iMac. I've got a 50 inch screen. I've got these two behind me. And, 
you know, and I just, I love this, but you know, this, this I acquired over the years and your kids, my daughter, who's 30 now, almost 30. It's like, it's native to them. They don't, mm -hmm. they didn't really have to learn it. You know, my daughter was working. I had the, what was the, the original Mac that they're making fish bowls out of the now? Apple two C. Oh, the, um, you know, yeah. that one. Yeah. The colored one. Yeah. I didn't have the color one. I had the one that was like, looked like a bandaid color, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and dude, I, I financed like $2,500 for that thing. And they make fish bowls, floppy disc, you know, all that kind of thing. I'm ancient. I'm a dinosaur, but my daughter was working that and, you know, and literally she's just now almost 30 and she was probably goodness, she was probably three. So we're, that's only 26 years ago, 25, 26 mm. years ago. So look at what in the world has happened and your kids and, and my kid, you know, they, they're natives to that. And so the portfolio, the, maybe the main gig with four or five other side passions is just going to be the future, but they've got it. My whole point, I'm rambling, but the whole point is no, that totally. they, they've got that now in a whole way that we didn't have, or, you know, my older generation didn't have as much, you know, a couple of other things I want to ask you about, man. I know we're talking about dreams earlier and we could go so deep. I've, I've made so many notes. Maybe we'll have you back sometime and talk about some other incredible things. You know, it's just a, a 30, 45 minutes isn't long enough to really get into yeah, the yeah. depth of who you are and what you, what you're all about. But I know that we were talking about dreams a while ago and you just recently had dream fulfillment. Yeah, you're alive. Take us. I think that's really a great story. So let's let's like let's go into that flow state. Well, let's, so I'm going to map it into kind of one of the main tactics that I use, which is as I was interviewing the greatest networkers in the world for Save Your Asks, I was introduced to it by to a, a guy who had you know very successful business that he sold, and he was introduced to me as a guy that rented out Kelly Slater's Surf Ranch every year. And I'm like, I didn't know, I didn't even know people could rent that. You could do that, yeah, yeah. And so I, I connect with this guy, and it was he just was awesome. His name's Jason, and it was towards the end of our conversation. I said, now Jason, I'm going to practice one of my favorite tactics for those people that are on the opposite spectrum of the ask hole, where we aren't asking too much ask calls ask way too much way too early way too off you know all that stuff but people that i'll actually let the ask pass me by so are you ready i'm going to practice it he goes yeah yeah i go okay it's called masking your asking your dream because when you actually put your dream out there people will almost do anything to help you achieve it i said jason it's my dream to create a handbook to help people become better networkers and sellers but also in the process live a more fulfilling life who in your network do i have to talk to and he goes, Chris, you got to talk to this surfer, Raymana. Do you know Raymana? I was like, I think so. Like Kelly Slater's Raymana? And he was like, <laughs> yes. But I, I don't know how much you know about Raymana, but Raymana is this guy. And he is Tahitian. He's in his like late 40s and he doesn't look like a pro surfer, but he is the guy that will get anyone up on a wave. And it was seven years ago, seven minutes into our relationship that he put his hand on my heart. He was towing me into a wave on the jet ski at Kelly Slater's surf ranch. And he looked into my eyes. He said, I love you, brother. Now just breathe, just breathe. And he said, ever since then, we've had a bond that is unbreakable. Mm. Text all the time. I'm going to have him FaceTime you. And I was like, great. So 24 hours later, uh, Raymana FaceTimes me. It was an 
awesome interaction. I asked mm-hmm. him all of his day and, and he was in Tahiti. He had just gotten off Sergey Brin's yacht, like teaching his wife how to serve. I'm like, dude, you really are the greatest connector of billionaires <laughs> in the world. And he was, we just, I just felt this vibe and energy and bond with both Jason and Rimana. And I put it out there and I said, Rimana, like, first of all, we need a lot more people like you and a lot less of the asshole. So I'm going to be using you as the, my first story in the book. And now he's actually my, you know, the, the backbone of my storyline for my keynote. And, but I said, listen, I, I'm going to surf with you guys one day at Surf Ranch. And it was six, five weeks ago, I got a call from Jason and he said, Chris, I remember you telling me your dream with me and Raymana and surfing with us. And I'm, I'm going to let you know that if you can get out here in a, in a week, I rented out Kelly Surf Ranch for a day and a half. And, uh, so just come on out. And so, yeah. Just come on out. Just jump on the plane. (laughs) So yeah, exactly. And I actually jumped on his plane and took his plane from Atlanta to- Even better, even better. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, I actually wrote a a blog post about it and it's called Soul Wiggling. I didn't know what Soul Wiggling was until I met Jason and his crew. And Soul Wiggling is that moment where you are, your souls wiggle together with other people because it's just Mm. so epic and awesome. Mm. And, you know, put another way, I'm obsessed with this idea of experiential positivity where you, you get this Mm -hmm. glimpse of experiences and then these bonds that happen at these in-between moments between that, that are just epic. Right. And you were talking about energy exchange. Is that kind of the same? Yeah. Just kind of. I've never met an energy that is on the level that happened at Surf Ranch with Jason Mm -hmm. and his crew. And I mean, I, once again, I wrote a post about it, but. I botched the first way. Okay. You only get two ways in an hour. And if you botch it, it's done. Right. Mm. And so you're, you get three hours the whole time that you're there. So you really only have six chances to catch this wave and it moves quick. I'm not that great of a surfer, but like I'm good enough. And so I botched the first one and I'm like, what the, what if I just don't even catch anything? Like this is going to be the worst, right? Like I, I need this for me. And I go in for the second wave and all of a sudden I'm up, I get up and I hear, get low, get low, turn right, turn right, yes, 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 get low, down. And Rimana is right next to me on the wave and I have tears rolling down my face. I get right in the barrel and I come at, and they had it all filmed and you know, on, on my blog post, my soul wiggling, I have the picture of this. But like, I'm just like, this is one of the greatest moments that's ever happened. Like, this was my dream. And here yeah. it is, right? Yeah. And coming out of that, I'm able to then really sustain that and take it to to, to these other people. And, yeah. you know, going into dreams, right? I, I do feel like that's the most important thing that we as humans can ask that person sitting across from us. There's probably no better literal translation of saving your asks than asking someone their dream, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's more curious. And then if you do one thing in your power to help them achieve it, that's where bonds and connections are made. Mm. Wow. That's very powerful. And I've had the privilege of doing that with a lot of songwriters in my music career and I still work with a lot of aspiring writers. But when you see the dream really kind of merge into some semblance of reality, it's just such a pump, you know? whether it's on a huge level or even any kind of level when somebody sees, they hear their song on a a demo recording or somebody's album for the first time, 
And I, I remember the first time I heard one of my songs, you know, being sung by a, a large group of people. And it was like, wow, nothing like it, man. So, but like so, for you, but like you knew what your dream was, right? Like, and, and you pursued it to a place where, yeah, it wasn't easy. You know, it was hard, but you're, you're now living that. And, you know, anyone listening, like, I'm astounded how few people know what their dream is. Yes. And because bring it, bring it, bro. I mean, right. Dude, like go into that. I mean, that's so important. Like we need to do the work ourselves to understand when we take everything away, like, what is it that you're, that really excites you? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that's the importance of visions, right? I mean, just a three year, actually, I just revisited my three year vision because it was actually, it was in right after I published Save Your Asks and I was kiteboarding in Turks and Caicos with my family on the beach. That was the vision, right? And then I hopped on a couple of business calls. Like, I'm like, Julie, I'm living the vision that I put out three yeah. years ago. I'm going to have to revisit my vision. Exactly. And, and, you know, once again, putting your dreams out into the world is just, it's so important. And, mm -hmm. and, I understand why, because our passions and our dreams get stamped out of us at an early age. And what I am trying to inspire is for people to do a little bit more of the work and just put a stake in the ground and go after it. And I think getting specific, you know, because when you talk to some of the songwriters or aspiring artists and, you know, and they really can't say, they, they just know they want to be rich and famous. They want to, right? I mean, and that's what it is. And I, I, I was talking to a, a very brilliant producer, well-known guy, and he said, so many artists come to me and they say, you know, just make me famous. And he says, well, why, you know, why do you want to do this? And they can't tell, they don't have a why, mm. you know? So I, I love what you're doing and trying to even help people uncover a purpose mm. a, and a passion, you know, and merging those two things to help others. So I, we need more and more and more of that. And yes. younger generations, your daughters need it, you know? And so, all right. So two more quick questions. What's, what's your favorite way to interact with people socially and your, you know, just kind of where, where do, where do you want to connect with people that are listening today? So yeah, you can, uh, Instagram's probably the most efficient uh, and that's T-U-F-F-2-2 is my Instagram handle. I'm actually really active there. If you ask me a question or whatever, like I'll do, I'll, I'll respond almost immediately to my wife's dismay. And then obviously <laughs> LinkedIn, it's forward slash Christopher Tuff. And then my website is Christopher, it's Chris Tuff, C-H-R-I-S-T-U-F-F dot me and all of my books and links out. There's some videos. Uh, that's all right there. Awesome. All right, dude, this has been rich, man. Thank you so much. Last question. Three words, cats and chickens. Can you, can you add one more to it? We just got two baby bunnies two days ago. <laughs> Cats, chickens, and bunnies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So with two daughters, we we're, we're slowly creating a farm over here. So uh, we have cats, we have chickens, we have two bunnies, we have fish, we have a dog. So I should be outside of Nashville living on like 18 acres. Instead, I'm in yeah. almost like the center of Atlanta trying to build a farm. <laughs> Tommy Breedlove said to ask you about that. So, yeah. Oh, man. Well, Chris Tuff, this has been amazing. Thank you. We wish you all the best and hope you'll come on the show again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. 
Thanks for hanging out with me today on All the Best. If you like the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at johnchism.com. I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free 31-day motivational email series. It's designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get you going. You can find it at johnchism.com and I'll see you next time.